Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Countdown podcast. I'm Neil Munchie in New York. And from Washington, D.C., I'm Dimitri Sevastopoulos. And in Las Vegas, Nevada, I'm Courtney Weaver. The candidate's health came into focus on the campaign trail this week after Hillary Clinton abruptly left a September 11th memorial event and her campaign later announced that she had been diagnosed with pneumonia. The campaign was criticized for lack of transparency, what former Obama advisor David Axelrod called an unhealthy penchant for privacy. They tried to remedy that by releasing further medical records and details about the diagnosis this week, while her opponent, Donald Trump, revealed a short summary of his own health on Dr. Oz, the U.S. medical talk show. I feel as good today as I did when I was 30. As Clinton rested at her home in New York, running mate Tim Kaine and President Barack Obama were out campaigning on her behalf. We cannot afford suddenly to treat this like a reality show. We can't afford... And Trump looked beyond Clinton's pneumonia to focus on comments she had made earlier about his supporters belonging in a so-called basket of deplorables. While my opponent slanders you as deplorable and irredeemable, I call you hardworking American patriots who love your country and want a better future for all of our people. So, Dimitri Courtney, let's start there. Uh, Can you put Clinton's comment in context for us? So basically what we had, you know, after Clinton famously wouldn't let the press into most of her fundraisers for all of August. And last week was really the first week where she let the press go to some of these fundraising events that she's been having. Um, and lo and behold, on Friday night, she makes this comment calling, saying that half of Trump supporters belong in what she termed a basket of deplorables, basically saying that they were hopeless in terms of coming over to her side. Trump's campaign immediately seized on this comment. You know, they said basically that Clinton was criticizing the U.S. electorate and that she didn't understand ordinary voters. And Clinton released a statement after clarifying her comment. She said it was uh, unfair to refer to half of Trump supporters belonging into a basket of deplorables. But I think it's really interesting that she stuck by those comments. She, you know, she made this phrase basket of deplorables. You know, she she repeated it again in her statement. uh, And she really isn't walking away from the concept. I mean, she tried to defend them to kind of put it in a context that would allow her to justify what she said. But I think the kind of the broader context is here. She did something similar to what Mitt Romney did in 2012 when he talked about the kind of 47% of people, of voters, who would vote for Barack Obama, uh, who took no responsibility for their lives and their livelihoods, um, and therefore he didn't really need to worry about them. And that became the narrative in the campaign that basically Mitt Romney was this elite, wealthy businessman who didn't care about the ordinary people. And what Trump is now trying to do is take Clinton's comments and say she is mocking the American people, calling them deplorable. And, you know, he's got new campaign ads out focusing on that. So it's, you know, Clinton doesn't make a lot of gaffes, but this was clearly one, even if she tried to roll it back a little bit. There's, there is a counter argument, though, that, you know, the campaign keeps repeating this line basket of deplorables for a reason that, 
uh, basically by using this word deplorable, it's kind of prompted the news media to ask Pence, for instance, and Trump, do you think someone like David Duke, you know, the member of the KKK, is deplorable, you know, and forcing them to kind of respond to this comment on Clinton's terms of rhetoric? Yeah, I have to say, I don't I don't agree with that. I think in, in the Beltway in Washington, that becomes the way people look at it. But when you're out in America and in Nevada, where you are, or New Hampshire or wherever, I think people will hear deplorables. And they'll think uh, Hillary Clinton was talking about me, and I don't like the way she's talking about me. So I, I think it'll be interpreted in a negative light for her. And that's not a good thing. Someone who's been making that point over and over this week is Kellyanne Conway. Dimitri, you profiled her this week. Could you tell us a little bit about who she is and what she's done with the with the Trump campaign? Sure. So Kellyanne Conway is, is a pollster, and she was hired by Trump uh, five or six months ago. But then she was promoted to become his campaign manager last month, and she's the first woman to run a Republican presidential campaign. And what's interesting about her is... Um, She's very good at what she does, but she specifically focuses on trying to tailor political messages so that Republican white candidates can win over female voters. And it's pretty clear what she's done over the last three or four weeks is she's softened Trump uh, as hard as that may for some people to believe. If you listen to the way he's speaking, he's toned things down a little bit. Uh, at his campaign rallies, what's really noticeable is a guy who used to mock his opponents for using teleprompters, he now sits up like a pigeon at Wimbledon and his head goes back and forth as he talks about uh, you know, immigration or whatever his speech of the day is. So she's she's got him sticking to message. Um, he's talking more about issues, which is something that women in polls say all the time, that they prefer candidates who talk about issues, how you're going to make their lives better and their families better, as opposed to uh, shooting your opponent all the time. So she seems to be having a very a dramatic effect on him. And I, I think it's fair to say she's the first person who's managed to somewhat tame Donald Trump. And that's saying something. And I also thought it was interesting, you know, that Ivanka Trump appeared with him to talk about his policy towards um, towards working mothers and, and family leave. I mean, do you think that these things are all related, that it's a coincidence that, you know, Ivanka takes this kind of leading role on the trail just the same time that Kellyanne Conway takes the reins? Well, if you think about it, when we were at the convention in Cleveland, uh, Ivanka Trump gave a speech, probably one of the best received speeches there. And she kind of hinted that this was coming down the pipeline. Uh, Within a couple of weeks, Paul Manafort, the campaign chairman, had basically been booted out and Kellyanne Conway had been promoted to run the campaign. So I think clearly there's a recognition of the Trump camp, whether it's Ivanka and Kellyanne together or who's driving it, I don't know. But the, the end result is that Trump is clearly trying to to win over women. And, you know, today he appeared on Dr. Oz, which is this uh, kind of Oprah Winfrey for health TV show. Um, And, you know, it's a kind of a popular show in the US, but it's watched primarily by women. So that was another attempt by Trump to kind of to kind of get the female vote. And it's really important because, you know, two thirds of women say that they don't like Donald Trump. And in 2012, women were a majority of the people who voted. So, this is, a, this is something he really needs to pay a lot of attention to. So, Dimitri, you just mentioned Trump's appearance on uh, the Dr. Oz show. Let's talk a little bit about the, the revelations from both campaigns on, uh, on Wednesday about their, the respective health of two of the oldest candidates for presidency. Well, they've both, both of them have said they're going to release detailed medical records. Clinton has now 
gone a step towards doing that. We know a little bit about what medications she takes and things like that. Uh, Donald Trump went on this TV show, but he said things like, you know, I'm, I'm overweight and I, le- I need to lose some uh, 15 pounds, I think he said. But it's kind of getting caught in the weeds. The, the truth is you've got a 68-year-old Democratic candidate. You have a 70-year-old Republican candidate. As you said, they're the two oldest candidates in history combined. And we need to know more about their health. I and mean, the American voters are deciding on who they're going to pick for the most powerful position in the world. And the truth is, we don't know very much. And, you know, the other day, Bill Clinton revealed in an interview on Monday night, that Hillary Clinton has had similar episodes to the one that made her stumble over the weekend in the past. We didn't know that. Yeah. And I think it's important to emphasize also that these are issues that don't just, you know, the issues of Clinton's health, for instance, it's not just being made an issue by Trump supporters. Um, You know, it's something that resonates within her own base of supporters as well. I was just at this uh, campaign rally now with Bill Clinton, and I was talking to voters there, you know, true, true fans of uh, both Bill and Hillary Clinton. And even they were kind of, you know, scratching their heads about why the campaign hadn't been more forthright about, you know, acknowledging that she had been diagnosed with pneumonia last week, you know, and that this had been an issue and that just kind of shaking their heads at the fact that, you know, she keeps getting bogged down in these issues of transparency with voters. Looking ahead to the next couple of weeks on the trail, what are you guys looking forward to? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the first debate. I mean, I think a lot of people are looking forward to it just because, you know, Clinton and Trump are just two very, very different candidates. And I think we've been writing about both of them kind of in this head-to-head matchup, and it'll be great to see how they do on stage with each other and also whether the dynamic in the race that we're seeing now with, you know, the Clinton's lead slightly closing, if that uh, stays the same after the debate finishes. I'm also interested in Bill Clinton. You know, he kind of took a back a backseat role the past couple of months on the campaign trail. He hasn't been as active as in 2008. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he can, they kind of the campaign rolls him out more in the next couple of weeks before the election. Um, I'm looking forward to having a long martini with Courtney on November 9th. <laughs> uh, what am I looking forward to? Um, I'm, I like Courtney. I think the debate is going to be a pivotal moment. We have the two of these on stage. You know, over the history of presidential elections, there have been really amazing moments Um one that comes to mind is Ronald Reagan when he was asked about his opponent's youth, um, you know, implying that Ronald Reagan was old and perhaps uh, mentally infirm. He made a joke out of it and said, well, I'm not going to talk about my opponent's youth and inexperience. And, you know, Clinton and Trump can't do that because they're both about the same age. But uh, there's going to be a huge number of fireworks on the stage that night. And I think it's probably going to be one of the most watched shows on television uh, in a long time, I would say. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. You can go to ft.com slash polls for the latest election forecast, as well as to get a sense of which states are in play. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Neil Munchie. Dimitri is at Demi. And Courtney is at Courtney underscore FT. And be sure to sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, White House Countdown at ft.com forward slash NBE. And that stands for News by Email. So again, that's ft.com forward slash NBE. And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy Keane. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit 
yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 